God, we thank you that you are the giver of all good things. And you give us the things that we need at the right time. God, sometimes it feels like it's not the right time. Or we're wanting you to hurry up. God, help us to understand your time. And your, what it means to actually have a good gift. Because sometimes the gifts that we want or the things that we want are not the gifts that you desire for us. So God, I pray that we would be always thankful for all that we've been given, whether it's family or relationships or um, material possessions. God, we understand that all these good things are from you and that you love us so much and know us so well. And so Lord, we lift up to you Judy's move God, I pray that all of these logistical things would uh, work out the way that you desire. God, I pray that everyone in this situation would be patient and that they would be encouraging to one another and that there would just be nothing but joy, um, even in the difficulty of change. God, because we thank you for this new season for Judy's life. Lord, for the way that you are leading her to spend time with her family in Colorado and to enjoy the grandkids. And God, we thank you also for the riches and for the blessing of their marriage. Lord, we thank you for the blessing that they are to our congregation. God, for their leadership and their hospitality and their encouragement to us through teaching and um, opening the word of God in their home. God, I pray that you would continue to make their marriage fruitful and that it would bless so many others. And God, we pray for Turning Point and their ministry and their desire to work um, alongside of us in this neighborhood, Lord, to help reduce domestic violence. God, we know that that's um, oftentimes a hidden problem until you spend time in this neighborhood and we hear it and we see it. God, I pray that you would help us to um, work to support the women and men that are uh, in relationships that are broken. God, that we would help them find light and life in you. And God, I pray that as we open Ephesians 4 today, that it would be just a a sweet fragrance to us. God, that it would be um, living water to our souls for those spaces in our lives that we feel broken and disunified with other people. God, I pray that you would show us the way to unity and peace and loving kindness and humility all these things that you are calling us to in this passage. Lord, I pray that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be holy and pleasing to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to call on readers if you guys don't volunteer or just start reading. So who wants to go first? All right, Kim. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts 
Tyler. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Jess. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, and each part does its work. Thanks. So, I feel like this week truly builds on some of the things that we talked about with Quinn last week, where he's talking about that vertical reconciliation that we have through Christ to God, right? But then we need to bring that down and have that horizontal reconciliation among all of the people with one another. And it is by the power of Christ and the Spirit that we can reconcile with one another. Um, And he he encouraged us and pressed on us a little bit about the ways that we can um, forget that forgiveness and that grace that God has given us and that a lack of grace that we show to one another. So here we find again in this passage a whole focus on unity and understanding of what does it mean to live as a unified people because we have been forgiven um, and to move out into the world and love. So there's just a couple things that I landed on when I was studying that I want to spend some time with. And we've got some other stuff we need to do today because it's Judy's last Sunday. So I'm not going to belabor our teaching today. But feel free to you know call out questions and stuff as we go because I'd be glad to discuss them with you. So the first thing that rose up to me in this passage was this phrase, a life worthy. And so in the text, it's, it goes, hold on a second. Um, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And I think a lot of times when I've read that passage before, it's, it's felt to me like it was saying something like a guilt trip, right? It's like the writer of this letter is shaking his finger at you and say, remember, live a life worthy of what you, that calling that you've received. So you've got this higher call, you need to live up to it or else I am embarrassed or I'm disappointed in you. But I don't really think that's what's being said here as I dig into the actual Greek words and understanding of what is being said. I think it's an encouragement instead of a chastisement um, to remember who you are. Your life is worthy. You're not just this person that was set on this earth by accident. You have a purpose. So remember that your life is worthy. Doesn't that just change the whole tenor of the passage? It's not shaking a finger, it's an encouragement. Live a life worthy of the calling 
that you have received. You are set apart to do something. Each one of us is set apart. So live a life that's worthy of that calling. So the calling then requires humbleness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forbearing with each other. Dude, those things are so hard, right? I mean, I think in our own desire, in the way that we are taught to live in the world, and our culture especially, humility is not really high, right? I mean, we see so much in the media from all different kind of people who lack humility because it's all about getting attention, bringing attention to yourself, becoming YouTube famous, right? Um, To find your 15 minutes of fame for doing really weird and random stuff. Um, But most of the time, those things are not to help other people in the world, right? It's mostly just to have the spotlight pointed on you. So humility, gentleness, patience, forbearing with each other. But who does that look like? This is the Sunday school answer. Jesus. Jesus. I mean, that's, that's what, the way Christ walked on this earth, is with all of those things. So I think the, the thing that's challenging about this passage and this call to unity and the bond of peace, and there's all these big kind of churchy words on top of everything here, uh, I don't think that keeps us from um, the n- necessity of calling each other out. I think some churches love to do that. They're like all about shaking the finger, what I was just doing at the beginning, right? Shaking the finger at you and be like, you're out of line. So you need to do these things so you can be right with us again. But I think we might kind of lean the other direction a little bit and hesitate to call one another out when it's necessary. But the thing is, is that most of the time when we're calling other people out, we get kind of haughty, we get kind of puffed up and say, look at how good I am compared to that guy over there. Matt, I'm not just pointing at you, I'm pointing at you. But, Poor Matt. I know. Gosh. So, because you want it, to, it's like a human nature thing. If you're, if you're going to call somebody else out, you're trying to make yourself look as good as possible. But in the way that we are being called to call each other out is in humility and in patience and in forbearing with each other. And I think in real life, that means listening, spending time with each other, hearing other people's motives and intentions. You can't do that in a 15-minute conversation. That takes investment in one another's lives. And I think it's, it's hard for us to do that. Because, like, we kind of want to, but maybe we don't actually invest in it. And so I, I think this is me, as much as anything, calling myself out in that way. But I think it's the Spirit exhorting us to those higher things as a community. So I think if, if we aren't truly knowing one another deeply, to understand motivations and to see maybe patterns in each other's lives that are not leading them toward Christ. Um, I think if we don't speak out to one another, then we're not living the kind of community that we ought to be living as followers of Jesus. Um, I think then we are not actually horizontally reconciling 
And then we, when we know one another deeply, though, we can also encourage one another in growth and in newness of life. And we can celebrate with joy, not just with happiness, but with joy. Um, I think one of the beautiful things about what I've known of the recovery movement is because a lot of people that are using put on masks and they use their drugs and alcohol and other things to put on a mask. And so recovery is all about taking off the mask and you only change and grow when that mask is off. And so I think it's, it's an important thing for us as followers of Jesus to take off the masks, to really be who we are, even if it's super ugly underneath and know that we can trust and love each other through that ugliness and we can help one another grow by the power of the spirit. And I think that's why the next piece is so important and why the writer of this letter talks about unity over and over and over and over again. There are seven ones that are in this passage. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. He's making a huge point here. There is no separation. There is one of all of these and all are one in Christ because of all of what Christ has done for us. And I think there was probably some issues in Ephesus about disunity in the body. You know, they've got, this is a really important um, trading port. They have a lot of money. And a lot of times as we have discovered, affluence usually breeds apathy. Um, it breeds individualism and it breeds kind of distrust for each other, bitterness jealousy, all those kinds of things that are often found in cultures that are affluent. And I think we can all speak of those things in our own lives because we're a pretty affluent culture. Um, so I think the call for unity in all of those differences, but among those differences, we can be unified in Christ because there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. There's no separation. And so the way that we get to this unity is through love, peace, humility, gentleness, and serving one another. And so we can jump over to the next thing, which means that we are equipped for service. So this is the section that kind of got me the most when I was studying because the Greek word for equipped, I'm going to try to read it right, kartarismos, kartarismos. I need to brush up on my Greek, so when Eric and I go to Greece, we're not like running into walls or something. Um, kartarismos, and it comes from this noun that means the setting of a bone. So this is the word that we translate as equipped the setting of a bone. So I'm just imagine like looking at an x-ray, probably most of us in this room have had a broken bone or two in our lives and you've seen what the x-ray looks like. Say it's your wrist and there's like this break, this separation. And so there's, you know, where the bone is, it's white on the x-ray and where it, there's a break, it's black usually if it's a pretty clear break. So there is a separation for something that was once firmly in place, but then you usually get a cast. And what does the cast do? It puts it back into place. And it applies pressure. It's not usually a very comfortable experience, 
right? But it adjusts the bones in such a way that they're able to be knitted back together. And so part of what this word means is it's putting it back together in the right order, in the right way, so it can function effectively again. Gosh, how amazing is that? Equipping means that we are broken, but are getting formed back into the right order of things. It's a reordering of the world. It's the kingdom of God come to earth. And how do we get equipped? By being in fellowship with each other, by growing in grace with one another, by experiencing peace and humility and gentleness, and that exhortation and encouragement to grow to where our bones are broken and our bodies are broken, right? And then we are mended in the right way to be able to move forward and to serve um, with grace. Like, I love that. I mean, how amazing is that, that just the richness of what that word means? So I think one of my roles as an elder is to equip you in ministry. I'm not the one who's going to break your bone. (laughs) We're all already broken in places, right? Like, that's kind of the whole deal with sin, right? But I think part of our roles, Herb and I as elders, is to be a little bit of the cast, right? To help realign the things that are misaligned or are separated. Um, And I know that it's not just us that are doing that to try to equip you to be prepared to serve, but the rest of our community as well. Because we're not like a top-down church. You know, there's a lot of churches that are super top-down. And I think of all of the churches I've ever experienced, this one's probably right up there with the most kind of flat structure of leadership because I think everyone is allowed to have a voice and to be able to speak into each other's lives and to encourage and to do new things and to um, serve the community. But I think there's places where we kind of miss the mark. You know, there's only a very small handful of people that get the food ready in the morning or set out the communion or teach or are singing, leading worship. There's only a few people doing those things. And I think if we're truly, hey, (laughs) what's up with that? If we're truly equipped for service, um, I think there'd be a lot more of us that are doing all of the things. Because there's a lot to be done around here. Um, So one of the things that we discussed in our leadership meeting uh, last week was something called Sign Up Genius. This is my little plug for organization. Because if we are truly equipped for service, we're doing even the small things, right? Like making sure that the bathrooms are clean and have paper towels and toilet paper, that type of stuff, or washing the coffee cups. You don't even have to actually wash them. All you have to do is put them in a dishwasher at the end of the service. Um, You know, that kind of thing. And all of that is so helpful. And we would love more people to help teach the kiddos, as long as, you know, you talk to us ahead of time if you haven't taught the kiddos before. And I would love for us to have some more folks that are up here in front teaching. Because I think there's, as we found, a lot of people that have a lot of really important things to say because of what they've learned and the story that they carry with them um, in their spiritual journey. So I put it on Facebook yesterday about the sign-up genius. So please start doing that. Please sign up. Because you can just sign up for a week. 
you don't have to sign up for you know eternity going into forever right like the sign up sheet on the wall kind of has turned into um but like jeff and tyler would probably really like some extra help for coffee in the morning or for even for people to go and, and pick up the food for breakfast like those things can all be shared and aren't really difficult and if you have questions about how they should be done we'll let you know so um sometimes being equipped for ministry means doing the little stuff and sometimes it means being prepared to do what people think are the more glamorous roles in ministry like becoming a pastor which i'm going to tell you is not so glamorous um i know a whole bunch of pastors that don't find it very glamorous <laughs> it's a lot of day-to-day difficulty and carrying a lot of burdens for people but we can continue to work together to pray for one another, encourage one another, to host if tables at your house, and to um, call one another and pray for each other in times of need and in times of joy. So finally, I think this passage looks at a call to maturity. So it talks about how this is really kind of a famous passage about no longer being infants tossed to and fro by the wave of every kind of doctrine. And, you know, I think people like to pull that out to prove sometimes that their theology or their doctrine is, you know, superior to somebody else's. And I, I'm not sure that that's where they're trying to go. I think they're talking about growing in our depth of speaking truth in love and encouraging one another and truly being unified. Like that's where you're gonna find maturity in our faith. And as you grow and if you're truly deeply in community with other believers, you are going to be able to discern together what it means to follow Christ. And I'm not saying that we all should have this like, like singular theology because I actually like that we don't all agree on every little thing, because I think there's probably a broader interpretation of scripture than most of us have in our past given God credit for. I think we like to try to have everything down to this nail head and we're like, I'm hammering at home because I've figured it out. I'm like, as I've gotten deeper in my faith, I find that that perspective is missing the point so much. And oftentimes it really excludes a lot of people from conversation. And I don't think that's what Jesus was about. He was all out there talking to the people that the ones that said they had the nail head had pushed away and said they were unclean and they were unworthy. But Jesus was like, no, these people are worthy and they're worthy of love. So, this call to maturity is not about the surface level kind of understanding or having the, the Jesus answers all figured out. It's about growing deep and growing deep in community and finding that unity, even in the difficult stuff like with humility and gentleness um, and being willing to encourage each other and to listen. So there's a, this book that I have called Slow Church and it's really all about a call to maturity and being in conversation and dialogue with one another about what it means to be a community of faith with a lot of disparate perspectives. Um, and then when you're in community and in dialogue, as Jeff can tell you all about, um, you hear each other and you learn from one another.
And that's a huge thing. So kind of as we end our, um, this portion of our worship today, I want us to come to the table remembering the unity and community that we find in faith at this church. We're very different people, but we are on the same path. The path to discover who Jesus is and what his life and death and resurrection means for each of us. So when we come to the table today, do it in humility, but not with a sense of that you can never live up to what Christ has done for you. Because I've come to the table with that perspective a lot, but I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to bring. I, want to, I think he wants us to bring victory through him because he doesn't see us as broken sinners. He sees us as renewed saints. Though we fail all the time, this is a table of celebration of all that Christ has done. So come celebrating what Christ has done, no matter where you are, no matter what kind of things you're thinking about in your journey of faith, but also come thinking about how you can be a part of building even greater unity in this body. How can you serve and equip one another for works of service here? How can you be humble enough to clean a toilet, right? So come and celebrate Christ's table as he celebrates you.